The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We've got an interesting one today, ACAP Energy. It trades under the code ACB or Alpha Charlie Bravo. It last traded at 10.5 cents for a market cap of about 120 million. Unlike other uranium stocks on the ASX, ACAP also has an advanced nickel cobalt project. And unlike other nickel cobalt stocks on the ASX, ACAP also has an advanced uranium project. So it's a case of two bangs for your buck, with strong news flow coming from the Letlakani uranium project in sunny Botswana, as well as the Waluna nickel cobalt project in the northern reaches of the eastern goldfields of WA. We have ACAP's Deputy Chairman, Paul Ingram, with us today to give us a feel for ACAP and what its forward plans are. Before introducing Paul, it's a good time to mention that it couldn't ask for better conditions in the uranium market with prices for the nuclear fuel at eight-year highs of $43 a pound and with most forecasters expecting the price to continue to rise. Nickel also has been a star performer in 2021, with its current price of some US $8.90 a pound 43% higher than its average in calendar 2020. Cobalt on the same basis is up 106% to US $31 a pound. There are some big themes running through ACAP. We've got the world's decarbonisation efforts working on the uranium sector. We've got the same thing with nickel and cobalt, thanks to the wave of demand coming from batteries for electric vehicles and the storage of renewable energy. So we've got a lot to talk about today, that's for sure. So it's uh, G'day to Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Barry. Yeah, good to um, good to catch up. So, Paul, uh, you're well known in mining circles, but for those who you may be new to, tell us a bit about your professional career to date. Okay, Barry. Yeah, well, I'm a I'm a geologist. Probably been too long a geologist, but um, <laughs> I started off um, in the uranium business uh, way back in the '70s with um, with GeoPico. I was heavily involved in the beginning of uh, Ranger up in the territory. Famous name, GeoPico. Yeah. 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 Well, I. Um, uh, I was involved there for a, a year or two in the territory, and I then went from there to um, run Cosima, which it was the um, French Atomic Energy Commission at the time, uh, ran the Queensland division for for uranium exploration in uh, Eastern Australia. So, I, I was, you know, for my sins, I probably did you know the first four or five years of my career in uh, the uranium business. Um, since then, I've um, uh, done a lot of work overseas in different commodities, mostly precious metals. Um, and then I uh, got involved in ACAP um, probably, uh, it'd be r- roughly about um, nine years ago. Um, I had a company uh, that was doing work in uh, in Mongolia, of all places, a company called Polo. And Polo took a position in a number of um, uranium players, including ACAP. And um, uh, that's that's how the the Paul Ingram Association with ACAP started. Uh, in those days, um, uh, ACAP had already been established. They'd found a medium-sized uranium deposit in Bots- Botswana, 
Um, and that the company then was headed by Pat Volpe, and uh, uh, the, the main exploration guy was Andrew Tunks. Ah, Tunksy, yep. Yeah, Tunksy ended up um, drilling this, drilling the deposit up to. Is currently, I think, it ranks at about number nine in the world um, in terms of undeveloped uranium deposits. It's a very, very large, low-grade deposit, um, and it uh, ticks off all the boxes. Um, pre, pre Fukushima, we'd we'd spent. Um, probably in excess of about $40 million on the project, uh, all self-funded. And then, um, uh, you know, after Fukushima, everything died down. In the last five years, it's basically been, been on care and maintenance. Uh, once we had our mining lease granted there, uh, that, that's when the whole uranium tide turned. And thank heavens it's uh, turning the other way again, finally. So before uh, diving into uh, the deposit of the project, just set the scene for us about what you think is behind this uh, eight-year high in the uranium price and the expectations that there's more to come. To me, it's very reasonably obvious. I think the world's waking up to clean energy. I think the uh, solar wind has just got its place in the world, of course, but for decent baseload energy for industry, etc., you, you need something to replace the carbon sort of material. So I think your uranium is finally ha- having you know, the life it deserved. I can remember back in the 70s, it was everything was anti-nuclear, and I think that whole sentiment is starting to change. And with, with the nuclear bills sort of sitting out there, um, not not just um, in China, but also um, you know, with, with the French in um, in Europe and Americans are gearing up. Even the English, are, or the Brits are uh, kicking off Hinkley again. There's a, there's a lot of action happening in the background. Of course, there's a lot of action in the uh, uranium companies, uh, particularly the the Southern African companies, companies like Bannerman, Paladin, Deep Yellow ourselves oddly enough a lot of the australian companies have swarmed over most of that southern african uranium belt now look only a big deposit as we've mentioned roughly the ninth biggest in the world um it's not resource constrained there's uh, what somewhere between 100 300 million pounds of uh, uh, uranium depending on what cutoff grades used so i'm just wondering and you've mentioned that it was uh, on the back burner there for a while what what sort of price will get you guys excited and really uh, start you know, charging towards getting a development up and running? Yeah, it's a good question, Barry, because, I mean, everything's to do with costs. And I think um, most most of the players are looking for that magic 60 to $65 a pound sort of mark, uh, which all the predictions are, it, it's, you know, well and truly on the way to there. I think um, uh, with our deposit, um, it's um, we've got slightly higher operating costs then, um, for example, Bannerman's uh, project in Namibia, our project has at what they call acid-consuming material in there. Now, part of the process that we've taken it to feasibility with was using sulfuric acid, which is you know common with all of these things. And um, there's a few nasties that uh, eat up too much of our acid. So when we when we put the project on hold. Uh, several years ago, we'd almost cracked that problem. It's not, it's not a, it's not a serious problem, but it's enough to get our cost down. If we can, if we can live with a sixty to sixty-five dollar a pound price now, uh, what we're aiming at for over the next twelve months is to pull that down to close to forty. And we've got some pretty, pretty smart work planned ahead for next year. Now, uh, Botswana, it's a, a welcoming place for uranium developments and. What would the infrastructure be like for the project? It's probably among the best I've seen, Barry. The, um, I mean, I take my family over there for holidays fairly frequently. It's a beautiful place. The pe- people are great. 
where, where the deposit is, it sits, um, it almost straddles the road between Gaborone, which is a capital, and Francistown, which is the second biggest city in the in the country. It's only a small population country, but uh, the beauty of it, um, I mentioned the people are great, but everything works there, mobile phones, power, water. It's probably, and I hate saying this, it's probably better than living in, living in a lot of places in Australia. Where, where the deposit is, we've got a, a rail line, the major rail line, uh, runs right alongside the the lease. We've got a, um, a major power line runs right right over the over the deposit. Basically, uh, we've got a water bore field uh, already drilled out and established. It ticks off all the boxes. You're not sort of living in the Gobi Desert or in the middle of nowhere. It's uh, it's it's quite a quite a great great spot logistically. On, in discussing it, there you mentioned some of the other ASX names. And I had a look this morning, and they've all roughly got you know three to six hundred million dollar market caps. Uh, actually, got smaller resources. Some might be higher grade. Some would be roughly the same. Some would be lower. I'm just wondering, is there some disconnect in uh, a cap with the uh, the value of the project? Yeah, well, there obviously is when you look at the market caps. Um, probably because you know a cap's been going through a bit of a not a hiatus, but over the last three or four years, um, you know, we were restricted with funds. Uh, we, we took on a nickel co- cobalt project that we'll talk about shortly in Western Australia. Most of the funding with ACAP has come through some pretty um, pretty good people in uh, China. Now, I, I lived in China for about six years and uh, established a lot of good friends there. The, the people that got in behind ACAP uh, many years ago and one person in particular, uh, Mr. Sun, um, he, he was the one really that put the $50 million into or between 40 and 50 into Tlethlikani. Uh, and um, they, they, they've been pretty good shareholders because they've they've had to fund the thing and there, there was very little chance of getting these things funded uh, elsewhere. Uh, their equity sort of went up to, um, you know, 40 plus percent of the company. So, you know, whilst it kept the company alive and kept the project alive, um, it, it's, um, it, it gets reflected a fair bit in our share price and whatever when they see, you know, the, the, the top sort of um, uh, 10 shareholders own sort of 80 plus percent of the company. So we're in the process of um, undoing that and sort of um, restructuring the whole thing right now. Uh, we retired a, a, a debt um, that, that Chenky, the, the major partner of the company, Chinese company, had in there. Uh, and that debt, debt arose only because uh, we couldn't issue equity uh, because of foreign exchange between China and Australia. But that's all been resolved and um, uh, we're debt-free. We've got cash in the bank and um, we're we're going to be moving ahead flat out on both projects uh, in the new year. Just finally on uh, Botswana, if uh, all things go well and we do get that sort of incentive pricing of $60 US a pound and upwards, uh, when do you reckon you could be in production? Um, it's still it's still out. Um, optimistically, it would be three years. By the time you, um, you know, we've got all approvals and that done. Uh, if you really pushed it hard and the price the, the price was up above sixty, you could do it in less than two years. But uh, realistically, three years is probably a, a more more sort of um, smarter type figure. I'd say. Right now, I mentioned earlier. Uh Two bangs for your buck with this one, the Waluna project. Can you just refresh us what the uh, the last resource estimate was? I think it will give people a feel for just how potentially large this uh, project is. Yeah, well, the the, pro- the project uh, got my attention. It was introduced to me by a, a good friend of mine, 
and um, uh, Waluna Mining in those days was Blackham Resources, but they, they were busy doing their gold work. Um, I took to talk to this mate of mine. We picked up the um, uh, the nickel cobalt part of uh, all of their tenements, quite a lot of granted tenements, etc. Um, Rio Tinto and a few different companies had done a lot of drilling there before, and the, the original resource uh, was sitting around the 80 million tonnes about 0.77 nickel and about uh, 0.06 cobalt. Yeah, that 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 was a global resource, and that that got me interested because uh, we were actually we'd spent about a year or so and probably covered most of the cobalt nickel deposits in in a, certainly in Australia, but we also did a big search um, through Africa and through Europe and a number of places. But uh, this this one stood out as particularly interesting because. The work that had been done was so broadly spaced. I mean, there's almost 20, 25 kilometres plus of strike length of um, uh, lateritic material sitting over the right rock types. Uh, the thing had already had about 1,500 drill holes in it before and a uh, huge amount of work. So we, we came out of, the, out of the blocks running. So it's, um, it, it ticked everything for us. We, we went in there, we upgraded the resources, uh, did a little bit of drilling about two years ago and... Uh, we brought the resources to 2012 um, uh, Jork, and they, they're still much the same. Still about you know 78 million tons of 0.74 nickel and 0.07 cobalt. Well, since then um, we've just finished a fairly big um, RC program there that we announced results a few months ago, and uh, what we're seeing is as we've been able to focus in on the um, the, the, well, the host rock, it's a lateritic nickel, but something's been lateritized. And lateritization is in a particular ultramafic, whereas the early work, they spread it across four or five different ultramafic units. We're able now to really know where the better grade stuff is. And if you if you go onto our website and you see some of the some of the assays and a lot of the drill intersections, there's quite a lot there that's sort of excess of 10 metres true thickness uh, excess of one and a half percent nickel, and um, you know, well over uh, 0.1 cobalt, getting up to almost 0.2 cobalt. So what we're going to be doing, we're in the middle of a program now of diamond drilling there for metallurgical work. But um, I'm pretty excited about this project. I think it's going to be less tons, but um, very interesting grades. Yeah, well, it's anywhere near the coast. It would probably be dug up and shipped off by now, anyway. The, so we're talking just on the the established resource there, more than 600,000 tonnes of nickel. So, again, in ASX terms, that ranks pretty highly in terms of volume anyway. Correct, yeah. I think, um, and as you mentioned earlier, the nickel and cobalt prices are, are pretty healthy. So, yeah, you know, we're, 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 we're lucky, um, you know, a little bit by smart management. We changed, changed the name of the company to from ACAP Resources to ACAP Energy really to reflect our focus on keeping the uranium alive and um, look, looking specifically at nickel cobalt. You know, we, we did the we did the jump around and looked at some, you know, the usual lithium, graphite, all the rest of it. But I think nickel cobalt's probably, you know, it, it's going to be the, the the gem of all of the the EV sort of materials. And you, you, of course, you you need cobalt. Uh, if you're using nickel in batteries, you need cobalt. And you hear a lot of stories about they're, they're going to do away with cobalt and batteries and all the rest of it. Well, most of the billion-dollar gigafactories that have been built around the world are reliant on nickel and cobalt. So 
it's not going to stop for the next 10 or 15 years, that's for sure. Yeah, if uh, they talk about range, uh, uh, people worried about their EV conking out on them because the battery's flat. Well, that's why they the push is towards uh, NMC batteries, which is your nickel manganese cobalt, which you'll get in the quality cars. That's correct, yeah. We, we have got um, uh, manganese uh, in abundance on, as a byproduct of this Wilconi project as well. The um, Now, the... You've got an ongoing uh, pre-feasibility study on the on the Walloona project. Correct. We've we've um, we've it's probably about thirty um, percent of the way through pre-fees at the moment. I want to try and have that knocked off well before the uh, middle of next year, and then we'll be launching straight into a DFS um, study. So, uh, in, in effect, both projects, uh, both big projects. And um, they'll both be getting um, you know, pushed towards uh, Lethlikani, a new DFS, and um, uh, Wilconi, um, the first DFS. And the interesting thing, Barry, is both, both deposits, even though you think two different countries and you know, different commodities, uh, in, in effect, both of them are big ton, low, lowish grade, shallow, they're free dig, it's not drill and blast, you're not um, over-engineering stuff. A lot of the leaching technology, but both projects uh, will need acid leaching. So there's a lot of, lot of technology that we've uh, learnt uh, during the Lethlikani days, um, having some of the top groups in the world working on that. Uh, we can apply directly to the Wilconi thing. And we, we actually use our team in Botswana that we've kept um, kept employed there during the care and maintenance basis. We've got, uh, they do a lot of the processing work for us for the Wilconi project. So there's a, a nice amount of synergy and cost savings between the two bases. And uh, for those who've listened to previous podcasts, uh, Garen Perra is, of course, a big fan of a company just not uh, sitting on a project. They like that. Uh, the uranium project and not doing anything else. Uh, so nice effort on uh, picking up the ura- uh, the nickel project and running with that as well. All right. So, Paul, give us a – we'll have to wrap it up now, unfortunately, but uh, can you give investors a feel? We're almost at year end, so let's have a look at 2022. What should they be looking out for? Well, hopefully a strengthening uranium prices, I believe, will happen. I think we're on holidays at the moment. The, the company will be um, uh, doing a capital raise um, in Q1 of next year to – mostly for the uranium exercise to get it up and going and plenty of results coming out. We will be reporting constantly over the next few months on the Wilconi project and then a lot, a lot of good news coming out before mid-year on the on our uranium project. So in both cases, it's going to be a pretty exciting year next year. As I said at the start, an interesting one, uranium and nickel cobalt, both markets to watch and ACAP uh, getting on with things in 2022. So with that, Paul, thanks for your time today. Good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. Thanks very much, Barry. Enjoyed it. Cheers. See you, mate. Bye-bye.